Like, that was so awkward. There's obviously, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my word. I was going to say there's obviously a lot of weird things that happen in church, but Brett is proving my point. So, is this going to stay there? Where's Brett? Why can I not find him? Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you. Okay, good. Wow, he did a deep dive into my Facebook. I need to deactivate that. Whew, after tonight. Okay, anyways, I did have a point, and my point was weird things happen in church. Tonight, obviously, guys, if it's your first time tonight, please come back next week, okay? It will be a little, hopefully, a little more something, more normal, whatever that is. Anyways, um, but church can get weird. That is the point that I want to make. Twitter was a gold mine for stories of, like, weird stuff that happens in church. That video was one of them. Some of the things was funny. Some, some's a little more iffy, like weird things, or some are just very odd. Like, for example, one person on Twitter said that while their church was holding a baptism service, a random guy stood up as a certain person was about to get baptized and yelled out that this person punched their sister in the face earlier that day. Like, do you keep going? I don't know. Another person said, I once had a guy offer a prayer request for their pastor to have a heart attack so they could get a new pastor. And the guy went on to say, I was that pastor. (laughs) That's rough. Another person said that their pastor went through a knighting phase where he knighted several men in a whole ceremony with a real custom sword in which he gave them the sword afterwards as a keepsake. Guys, I've been here for six years. I've yet to give any of you a sword. So, my bad? I don't know. Okay, but this one, this might be like the most, I don't know, just weird one. So, there's a funeral service happening at a church uh, where the man who passed away was six foot eight. Because he was so tall, they could not fit his entire body into the casket. So, you know what they did? They broke his legs to make his whole body fit into the casket. And then... The wife still insisted on having an open casket for the service. (laughs) Guys, I would not want to see that. Like, what is wrong with people? (sighs) And that, honestly, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Twitter was a gold mine. Some, I'm like, I can't repeat these things. But I would say, one of the areas that gets weird for a lot of people, for both non-Christians, but also for Christians, at times at least, is any mention of the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't know about you or what your impressions of the Holy Spirit are, but I didn't, I didn't really know or learn about the Holy Spirit until I was an adult. And I found that I questioned the Holy Spirit more than I questioned God or Jesus. Like, I was taught, yes, like God was three in one, known as the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, that was the most, like, mysterious to me. The concept of the Spirit of God. I was like, yeah, that's weird. What does that mean? Maybe that's not you. Like, maybe you've always been very familiar or just comfortable with any mention of the Holy Spirit. But we are, we're wrapping up our series tonight called Ain't No Grave. We've been going through it for the month of April. And my hope is to talk through or shed some light onto the Holy Spirit. Now, I do want to say, if you still have questions at the end of tonight or you have questions that are still left unanswered, Try not to be discouraged. Like, I've heard it said that the Holy Spirit is as essential to a Christian's existence as air is to our lungs. And as followers of Jesus, if that's you, learning about the Holy Spirit, it's huge. 
Like, it is, it is incredibly important, but it's not simple because the Bible tells us that no one, none of us can ever fully know God. And the Holy Spirit is God, but we will never truly know all there is to know about God or his spirit. We just won't. Anyone who tells you otherwise, don't believe it. Run in the other direction. But the place with the most knowledge and insight into the Holy Spirit, it's the Bible. Even if you were to open up your Bible to Genesis, the very, the very first book in the Bible, the Spirit of God is mentioned right away in the first chapter. And you'll hear about the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament, that's the first half of the Bible, and then into the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. Like, he is all throughout. But a major turning point actually happens in the New Testament when Jesus, at that point, he was here with his disciples, who were his closest followers, and he starts talking with them about the Holy Spirit and what this is going to mean for them once Jesus dies and leaves them. So in John 14, Jesus, he's speaking here, and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Then a few chapters later, Jesus, he goes on to say in John 16, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So already, this is, this is very tough to wrap your head around, right? Like if you're a disciple, because Jesus, he's there with them. He's in the flesh. He's walking with them. He's teaching with them. So how could a spirit, the spirit of God, replace that or somehow be better? But it starts to make sense when we get uh, to the book of Acts, which is in the New Testament in chapter 2. And at this point, Jesus, he had died, he would rose again, and he had ascended into heaven. But prior to this, prior to his death, Jesus had instructed his disciples. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit, your advocate, to come. But again, they didn't, they didn't really know what that was going to look like. So in Acts 2, it says this. Suddenly, there's a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit had given them, or sorry, gave them this ability. Okay. This is, this is quite a scene to fathom, imagine. So the disciples, they're all gathered together one day to pray together. Jesus, he's gone. They're probably missing him. But they were told to wait, to be expectant, for what or who's to come, whatever that means. And all of a sudden, they are filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time, and this power that is not natural comes upon them, and they can now speak in other languages. And it was also at this point that they knew, like, this was the power of the Holy Spirit. This supernatural, supernatural power that could not be fabricated, like their advocate had finally come and he was here to stay for Christians forever till the end of time. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, hey, it's actually better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Like, maybe you grew up hearing this and you just, 
you accepted it from an early age. If not, this might be the point where you're like, yeah, this is weird. How do I talk to my friends about this? That's fair. You're not the first to think that. I thought that. We won't be the last people to think that. But the point that we can't miss in any of this is that the Holy Spirit is essential to the life of a Christ follower. Like whether you think you understand him or not, he can't be left out or minimized. Like choosing to accept Jesus and, and follow him means that you and I, we now have the Spirit of God living in us, like with us at all times, like to guide us, to instruct us, to encourage us, to teach us. That should mark this like radical change in our lives. In Romans 8, it says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For you are not, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of God living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. And listen to this part. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. You know, like the part that kind of gets me with this is that, okay, even though we can read about like this power of the Holy Spirit and acknowledge this like change that can and should take place in our lives, even after all of that, is there a change? Like does this impact our hearts? Does it change how we live our lives as Christ followers? Choosing to accept Jesus and follow him, that is... Huge. That is a very significant step. We believe here that following Jesus, one of the best decisions that you can make. But the crux of the Christian walk between you and God, it comes down to answering this question of, are you willing to be led by the Holy Spirit? Once you've chosen to follow Jesus, yeah, it doesn't just stop there. Like following Jesus through your life, it doesn't just happen because that is where the Holy Spirit, our advocate, comes in. Like he comes to instruct us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. He is God with us. And he is not just like this, you know, like a friendly add-on to our lives. But the Spirit of God, he comes into our hearts and our lives with the intention of leading us. And that's why, like you and I, we have to decide if we want to follow his lead in every single area of our lives. God is always calling us to him. The Holy Spirit, he's always beckoning us to himself. Like maybe you can think of a time where the Holy Spirit moved in your life. The problem is that oh, this is so much easier said than done, right? Right? Like, it's easy to say, like, yes, God, I am in, I trust you, I will follow you, I will go wherever you call me to go. We can say that. But in reality, we get scared. I get scared. We even get prideful about it. Because we want to be in control. It's our lives. We don't want to be led by anyone else. Because giving up control, it's scary. That can be messy at times. I remember 
there was this time when, so God, he put it on my heart to invite a certain lady to the Easter service here at the church. And I was like, really, God? I was like, her? Uh, mainly because, and I'm not trying to be like humble, I don't think she likes me. I think she just tolerates me. So when she came to mind, I was like, this is who you want me to invite? Okay, cool. And um, every time I prayed, like I couldn't get her out of my head. I knew that I couldn't or shouldn't avoid it. And um, do, you like, do you ever have times where you're kind of a jerk towards God? I am. And because um, I was praying one day because I was like, okay, fine. If I'm going to invite her, you need to make it so that no one else is around because she's probably going to like kick me out of her office and it's going to get weird. So that's what I mean. Like who am I to tell God what to do? But whatever. I did. And I was being a jerk. So sure enough, I went to go talk to her. No one else is around, which is not normal. Go in her office, invite her. It was kind of awkward, but I have no idea if she came. But this is such a small example. But I know there are times when I'm afraid to be loved by the Holy Spirit. I'm like, wait, what person do you want me to talk to? Because being led by the Holy Spirit, like, what will that mean? What will that require of me? Like, what if he asks you to give something up? What if he asks you to move or change jobs? Well, that's too late for me. But what if he asks you to change jobs? Something like that. What if you don't want to do what he's asking of you? Or even more, what if we choose not to do what he's asking? Then what? Choosing not to listen to the Spirit of God, like to not follow his lead, yeah, that means I'm not trusting him. It means that I don't trust that he will equip me to do the thing that he's asking of me. That his plan, I don't trust that his plan really is better than mine. And are we prepared to face that reality that, you know what, we're not really trusting the God that we've committed our lives to? As easy as it is to get lost in our, like, fears and what-if scenarios, the Holy Spirit very much wants to actually lead us towards freedom. It is what we just celebrated at Easter. Like, Jesus took our place on the cross. We are off the hook. Rather than having punishment, there's freedom for us. But in order for the Holy Spirit to lead us towards freedom and to mold us into these people that we are made to be, we have to trust him. We have to let him take the lead. And that starts with thinking of God first, rather than thinking of myself first. It means leaving our sinful nature behind. And as comfortable as we are in our sin, and we do get comfortable, I can be very comfortable in my own selfishness. It actually ends up, that strips us of our freedom. But actually, like, going through that process and ridding ourselves of sin, whether it's, like, your pride or your fear or laziness or whatever it is, fill in the blank. Ridding that from our lives, it's uncomfortable. It's not always pretty. Despite all of that, you and I still have to ask ourselves, am I willing to be led by the Holy Spirit? Like, do I want freedom over the comfort of my sin. There's one guy, J.I. Packer, he put it this way. He said, the Christian's life, in all its aspects, intellectual and ethical, 
devotional and relational, upsurging in worship and outgoing in witness, is supernatural. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it. So apart from him, not only will there be no lively believers and no lively congregations, there will be no believers and no congregations at all. Guys, like the, or the Holy Spirit, he is essential to the life of a Christ follower. But if, if we're just, if we're looking to live, you know what, I want to live a somewhat moral life. I'm going to go to church most of the time. I will be friendly. I will be nice. We may not need the Holy Spirit very much in our daily lives. Like we could probably do a lot of things daily on our own without him if that is our goal. But if we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus where we build our lives completely around him and not ourselves, then we need the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. Now if you're human... Even if you have made that decision or not to follow Jesus, you're still human. And there might be days where you question all of it. You're like, okay, why? Why did I choose this? Do I still want to follow the Holy Spirit? Like, you might think these things on days when you're sin, it seems really enticing. And you're questioning if following God, if it's worth it. But it's in these moments that we have, we have this lifeline thrown to us in Galatians 5. It says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. On days when my sin looks more enticing, I can cling to this verse and remind myself, okay, this is the life that I want. I want the fruit of the Spirit to be developed in my life more than I want my own way. Because, like, who doesn't want to be defined by their love for other people or their joy or actually having peace over, like, the fear and the insecurities that we all have? Imagine having peace over that. That's exactly where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because we, we will never just develop these qualities on our own. I wish that's, that's not the case. This is the fruit of the Spirit, meaning these are initiated and sustained by him and him alone. We cannot get there on our own. You know where I can get on my own? I can become angry and patient. I can even get really restless or even hopeless at times. Then the Holy Spirit, he's our advocate. He comes to remind us and reassure us that we are in right, good standing with God. You are in right standing with God and that you are loved abundantly by him, no matter what, no matter what you've done. That's what the Holy Spirit comes and reassures us of this. In Romans 5, it says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Like the Holy Spirit fills us with the love of God. He fills us with hope. And I love what it says in Ephesians 3. It says, I pray, <clears throat> I pray that from his glorious 
unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Okay, so what does this mean for us? Like, how do we now, how do we grow closer to him and be led by the Spirit? Well, there might be some things you need to start doing and other things you need to stop doing. Like, maybe for you, maybe you need to start taking the Holy Spirit seriously. Maybe you need to actually, like, open your your heart up to trusting him, to trust his leading in your life. Maybe you need to start praying to the Holy Spirit. There might be some things you need to stop doing. And there will always be things that try to get in the way of you drawing close to the Holy Spirit. Things like comfort. Most of us, we want to be comfortable. Like maybe you prefer, just you want to play it safe. You want to avoid change when possible or just not really put the effort in. Because God, has he been calling you to something that you have been ignoring and you know it? Or you're looking for ways out of something? Giving up comfort is not easy. We prefer to be comfortable. But the Holy Spirit, he does not sometimes call us into maybe a difficult or uncomfortable situation just to drop us and leave us there. That is not how he works. Jesus actually refers to the Holy Spirit as our helper and our comforter. Like he wants to come through for us, to draw closer to us and bring us closer to freedom. But comfort won't do that. Maybe it's volume, the volume in your life. There's a lot of noise and distractions in our lives. There's a lot of too much multitasking. But our lack of intimacy with the Holy Spirit, it's often because we refuse to unplug to be alone with him. And there is, there is no substitute for being still before God, for listening and just being with him. There's no substitute with that. You don't need another sermon. You don't need another devotional or a Christian podcast. You just need to be with him. Like listen to his words more than anyone else's. Maybe it's sin. Maybe there's a sin that you've been struggling with for, for the same sin for a long time. It's put a wedge between you and God. Maybe you've even like, you've been praying for a long time that God would take this struggle or this, this temptation away. Like maybe you've prayed for, it could be months or years, maybe to, to forgive someone who hurts you. But even now, you are still so angry and bitter. Maybe you've prayed that God would free you from an addiction, something that you just, you can't seem to give up. You keep going back to it over and over, and nothing seems to change. So you think, okay, well, he just doesn't care, or he just can't help me. As much as it is the Holy Spirit who initiates and sustains 
the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, things like self-control, we still have to be an active participant. Like, we can't be passive in our struggles with sin, waiting for God just to take it away. Sometimes he does that. It's not that he isn't capable, but he wants us to participate with him in our freedom. Imagine being, like, really hungry, borderline hangry. So someone, they make you this incredible meal, like your favorite food. They make it for you. They put it on a plate right in front of you. But you just stare at it, upset, because you're still hungry. Like at some point, you have to pick up a fork. We have to be an active participant. Otherwise, we we get stuck in these cycles and something needs to change. We can't walk in the Spirit of God and walk in sin at the same time. It's not that the Holy Spirit, He is always present in your life. He doesn't leave you. But choosing to sin means that we are ignoring or suppressing His counsel in our lives. There's so much more that we can learn and discover with the Holy Spirit. And whether that, maybe that's exciting to you, maybe that's overwhelming because you're still unsure. There is still so much more the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. So much more that God wants to reveal to you through his Spirit. So rather than like wishing that God would just give you the next five-year plan for your life, because he rarely works that way, or rather than wishing that he would take this difficult situation and just make it easy or take away every single pain in your life. Maybe the best way to actually know his plan and draw close to his spirit is to simply ask him, who do you want for me to love for you today? What are you asking of me today? And then wait and listen and see how he shows up. Maybe you don't need something in life, but you need someone. We need the Holy Spirit. Like he is, he is essential to the life of a Christ follower. But all of this, this all has to start with us deciding, do I want to be led by the Holy Spirit? Am I willing to follow his lead? And I want to actually give you guys a minute just to reflect on these questions. These are, these are huge. The band, they're going to keep playing for a little bit. And then they'll lead you in a few more songs. But first, just, just take a minute and think about these questions. Am I willing to follow the Holy Spirit? And what will that require of me? Let me pray for you guys. God, we know that you are powerful and you can be trusted, but even though we know it, sometimes we don't always believe it. So God, I pray for strength. I pray for hope. I pray for the person who doesn't understand you or is feeling jaded or distant or even angry at you, God. I pray that your spirit would meet them exactly where they are. God, would you open their hearts, their minds, their eyes towards you and realize just how loving and gentle and caring you are, God. And you can be trusted. 
God, would you help us with this? And would you move in our lives in a way that only you can, God, that it would point us to nothing and no one else except you. God, we ask this in your powerful name. Amen.